Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. So you just, you pray for me. Amen. And let's go to Galatians chapter number five this morning where we have been. Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen. This morning, Galatians five, we're going to begin reading where we have sprung from every week. Verse number 22, the Bible says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Last week we looked at love. This, this morning I'd like to consider joy today, one of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning. God, to be able to be here, Lord, I'm honored, Lord, to be here today. God, to be able to be here, Lord, with the worship of your people, Lord, and be able to worship myself with songs. God, I'm grateful this morning for that. God, I appreciate your presence, God, that we have felt here. I pray, Lord, hearts, minds, souls be touched by your word. God, as we glean from your scriptures once again, I pray, oh, Lord, that you're able to speak to us, O oh Lord, today. God, and help us, oh Lord Jesus, to be educated by your word more than anything else. Let the anointing of your spirit, God, fall and bring enlightenment upon our hearts and minds. God, we will not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. In church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. Fruit of the Spirit, joy this morning, joy. As has been the case with, with each of these, or will be the case with each of these, each of these nine manifestations or aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, of course, what we've been driving home in our hearts and minds, and we'll continue to do so, that they, they come from the empowering of the Spirit of God that you receive in your own life. Now, this is not to say, it's not to be misunderstood. This is not to say that a person without God's spirit could have love or could have joy or could have peace. But what I am trying to say this morning is that the love that they may have and the joy that they may have and the peace that they may have would not be characterized or flavored by the spirit of God. They may have a certain type of love, but it's not the love that comes from the Spirit. They might have a certain aspect or type of peace or joy, but it's not that which is flavored or empowered by the Spirit of God. Just as we've seen last week, just as the, what we call the agape love of God, the agape love of God can only come from the Spirit of God. And so then this morning, the true Spirit of joy can only come from the Spirit of God. Amen. There is a type of joy that comes from the Spirit of God and there is a type of joy perhaps a person just experiences in their own humanity, but they do differ, I tell you, very well. As a matter of fact, an attempt to achieve this type of joy or any other aspect or manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit separate from and independent of the Spirit of God is futile and a failed attempt to do so. And what I'm saying is this, you can't have the love of God without having the God of the love. And so likewise, you cannot have a true 
joy of the Spirit of God without having the Spirit of God in your life. It will be futile. You'll be a failed attempt to do so. It will come up short. It may be by all men's standards a joy, but it's not a joy that the Spirit empowers or a joy that the Spirit, amen, backs. There is a natural human joy in our life. But again, as Scripture oftentimes says from the Old Testament to, to the New Testament, there is something that is spoken as the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord that the Bible portrays, it is closely tied and connected to His Spirit. It's closely tied and connected to His Word. And for that matter, the joy of the Lord that the Bible speaks of has an eternal shelf life. It, 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 there is no expiration date on the joy of the Lord. It has an eternal shelf life. Amen. In the Old Testament, uh, the common man did not have free access to the presence of the Lord. In the Old Testament, as things were laid out, the congregation of Israel, the nation of Israel, had to have someone that was a mediator, somebody that mediated for them, and that individual had access to the presence of the Lord. By and large, it was their high priest that mediated for them. He carried the names of the tribes of the children of Israel upon his breast and upon his shoulders, and he would go into the presence of the Lord, and he would mediate for the whole congregation of Israel. So the only access that they had to God, per se, was by mediation through another person and through the priesthood serving in the holy place at the lampstand at the table of shoe bread, mediating for them with the temple activities on behalf of just the common man. But the Bible says in Psalms 132, with that in mind, in verse 16, David says, actually he's speaking here to the Lord. He made a request of the Lord earlier in Psalms 132. And now God is speaking back to him and tells David, I will clothe her priest with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Someone say amen. amen. He says, I will clothe her priest with salvation. Now again, Old Testament time, in that day, people were not filled with the Spirit. Right. Not filled with the... Right. Filled with the Spirit. And so the best that they could have was a moving of the Spirit upon them, a touching of the Spirit upon their life. Amen. And since they weren't filled with the Spirit, that is the best that they could get. And so for the saints' priests, those priests who belonged to and operated for the saints and was the mediator for the saints, they stood in their stead. They stood in their stead as mediators for the people before God. And since they stood in their stead, God says, I'm going to clothe y'all's priests, those people who mediate for you, those people who is an emblem of you in my presence. I'm going to clothe you all with salvation. And what that meant then for the nation of Israel is if our priest is clothed with salvation, then that's just the same as though we are clothed because they are the ones that's mediating for us. They are our representatives in the presence of the Lord. And so with that being said, when they understood their priests were clothed with salvation, and that in essence meant then that they were clothed with salvation, 
the Bible says there came something from the mouth of the saints. The priests are clothed, but the saints are shouting aloud for joy. It provoked joy in their life because their priest, who is a representative of them themselves, had a clothing, a mantle, if you will, of salvation that was about them. And so joy is coming from their hearts. Amen. So that putting on of salvation in the Old Testament time is something that we see even more clearly displayed and comes about in the New Testament scripture. Isaiah even spoke of in the Old Testament, he spoke of his very own soul being joyful in God because God, everybody say God, because God had clothed him with garments of salvation. I know it's, they couldn't at that point be filled, but there were other ways that God was trying to display to him them that his spirit was with them. You're clothed with salvation. You, you have upon you like a garment of salvation. And anytime you see this, it provokes or it issues forth them to the people that experience this joy because it just testifies the same that's in the New Testament scripture. God's spirit is a birther of joy. God's spirit has an ability to produce, if you will, joy. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, if it was as a garment they put on or clothed with salvation, those people experienced joy. And the same thing is seen in the New Testament Scripture. We use this very same concept. Paul, the writer mostly of the New Testament, built upon this example and speaks to us about New Testament baptism. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that for as many of you as have been baptized, and everybody say into, into Christ, have put on, have put on Christ. Speaking in terms almost as though Christ was a garment or some type of clothing. The Bible further tells us even that we were baptized into one body by one spirit. Amen. And so when we're baptized into that body by one spirit, as though we have put on Christ, put on that spirit, put on those garments of salvation that go all the way back to the beginning of this series, and that is we find our abiding in the spirit, our abiding, if you will, in salvation, and as a result, it provokes joy through you and through me. Now listen, if you continue to abide in Christ, you will experience to some degree and measure joy. It is hard to abide in Christ, or might I say, it is even perhaps impossible to abide in Christ and live a life without joy. Amen. Because the Spirit is empowering those things. And so when their Old Testament priests, their representatives were clothed with salvation, clothed with the Spirit. The saints, the Bible says, shouted for joy. Amen. And now in the New Testament, they're not only clothed, but they're filled with His Spirit, and there is still this shout of joy that is coming from them. There is this connection with the Spirit. David understood this very well because in Psalms 51, that harmonizes during the time of David's life when he had committed the sin with Bathsheba of adultery, and he comes to finally, finally a place of repentance to the Lord concerning that sin. David is asking something in particular in Psalms 51. It's in some verses that we oftentimes quote, but something that he asked of God is this. He says, God, restore unto me yeah. 
the joy of my salvation. If David is asking for joy to be restored, some portion or magnitude of joy must have been lost. David, what caused you to need to ask for the joy of your salvation to be restored? And I'll share this today. Remember, David has just come through a horrific sin in his life. He has yet to seemingly repent of that sin. And I proclaim to us this morning this, sin will always capsize your joy. Unconfessed sin will replace the spirit-initiated joy in your life every time. Sin unleft tended to, unleft repented of, unleft dealt with, it will steal you of your joy. Because it's hard to be joyful in the spirit and joyful about God when you know there's something that dwells in your spirit and your soul that's contrary. Unconfessed sin is a stealer of joy. Yes, it is. Amen. And I'm not all, all convinced today because I know we live in a society that is totally overtaken, it seems like, with unhappiness, uh, without joy, uh, depression, amen. And I understand those are sometimes very real things, but there are things like that that's encroaching upon the perimeter of the church. And I ask myself then this question. I wonder out of all of those cases, how many of them are due, the depressions, the unhappiness are due because what really the problem is there's unconfessed sin that's lying within the lives of people that they're coddling and that they're bringing in close and that they're not doing anything about. And in essence, it's becoming a killer of their joy. David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now David, look, David understood the connection of joy with the spirit because there's several things that David spoke of concerning the spirit in this setting of scripture. David knew that the spirit was joy's gatekeeper, so to speak. Because notice he says in verse 10 of Psalms 51, look what he says. He says, renew a right spirit in me. He said in the very next verse, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He says in verse 12, uphold me with thy free spirit. David, why why are you so much just 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 seem to be focusing around this renew right spirit? Take not your holy spirit, uphold me with thy free spirit because David knew that the joy that I need only comes through one venue only one way and that's the spirit of the Lord if I'm going to have the the joy of the Lord I'm going to need the spirit of the Lord if I'm going to have the happiness and the blissfulness of the Lord I need the spirit of God and we need a right spirit right conduct because he will not do well in the unclean temple the scripture says true know you not the year the temple of the Holy Ghost he will not do well in an unclean temple and so David even requests, he says, God, don't, don't cast me away. He tells don't cast me away from your presence. Because he knew abiding in the presence and the spirit of the Lord was the very fountainhead of the joy of his salvation. He even says to us in Psalm 1611, he says, in thy presence is what? Fullness of joy and at thy right hand pleasures for 
ever. Everybody say ever. Ever. Evermore. Evermore. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can I tell you this morning that joy experienced aside from the Spirit of God will only bring pleasure for a season. That's, right. That's, right. That's what Moses said. Amen. He said, I'd rather suffer the afflictions with the people of God yeah. than to experience, if you will, the pleasures of sin better for a season. Joy aside from the Spirit can only render pleasure that lasts for a season. But in the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is joy in its fullness and pleasures forevermore. And so with that being said, there is no surprise as we begin to turn a few pages in the New Testament Scripture that we find that people are filled with joy and the Holy Ghost as in Acts 13. Or that part and parcel of the kingdom, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, uh-huh. peace, yeah. and joy. Uh-huh. Where? In the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit. He told them, Paul did, he said, it doesn't matter. He says, if you're Jew or Gentile, it matters not. He says, but you can have joy and peace through the Holy Ghost. He told that to the Romans, which were a bunch of Gentiles. He told those people, Although you're Gentiles and you're not Jewish people, you can have joy through and by the Holy Ghost. And so this this joy of the Lord is not some little thing that's pushed off in the corner for a certain select group of people, amen, that can aspire to it. No, 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 no. Each and every one of us have the ability of receiving the Spirit of God. And with the ability of receiving the Spirit of God, we have the ability to have the joy. Someone say amen. amen. The joy of the Lord. And so joy is connected with his spirit. I like this one. It is also, though, connected with his word. Everybody say his word. His word. word. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter number 8 begins with the people crying for Ezra to read from the word of the law, the word of God. They have gathered together at the water gate there at the city of Jerusalem. They're asking, requesting that he would read from God's word. Now what is particularly interesting about this, folks, is that nothing like this had ever been seen for about 200 years. There has been for about 200 years no public reading of God's word at Jerusalem, not since the days of Josiah when there was a scribe by the name of Shaphan that read from the scroll that they had discovered. Not since then until now had there been a public reading of God's word. 200 years, even in Nehemiah, Nehemiah's past. Amen. Israel had not known a day like this. 
And so here is the whole congregation gathered together out by the water gate requesting that they would hear the word of God. The Bible says they stood there as one man. There was a sense of accord and a sense of unity that was there with the people as they met at the water gate, which happens to be symbolic if you look at the gates to the word of God. The Bible speaks in New Testament scripture that we are washed by the word of God. Even more so, I think it's a little bit remarkable when we consider this particular gate. If you remember when Nehemiah went down to look at the gates and the walls, what was going to need attended to, what was going to need to fix. When you read the book of Nehemiah, it was the water gate that was one that didn't need any repairing. There was no repairs necessary. What's so remarkable about that, that being a symbol of God's word, is that God's word didn't need any fixing up. God's word didn't need anything. It was perfect just as it was. It just needed to be accepted. And so verse 9 of this same chapter, chapter number 8, verse 9 tells us, and even some in verse 10 tells us, that when the congregation heard the word, they wept. But they continued and they read it distinctly. And they gave it since, the Bible says in verse number 8. And the Bible says this caused the people to understand what they were hearing. Verse number 12 even tells us that because they had understood the words, that they began to make great mirth or great joy because they understood the words. Here's what I'm saying this morning. A simple for them, a simple reading of God's word seemed to bring mourning seemed to bring weeping, but an understanding of God's word incited joy in their life. The joy of the Lord became their strength when they understood God's word. And since I missed church on Wednesday, I want to make a plug for being at God's house. You'd say, well, I can read the word at home. And that is true. And if you got the Holy Ghost, you got an onboard teacher that can teach you some things. But it's great to come to the house of the Lord and be granted some understanding through the teaching, the preaching of God's word because you might read his word at home and be left in a horrible case not knowing the ins and the outs and how it gets from here to there and how it all ties together and think, man, this is horrible. But you can come to the house of God, get an understanding of God's word and the same thing that seemingly made you sad to begin with can make you glad because we can tell you the end of the story, how it all comes together and works out. We can grant understanding and the joy of the Lord then can become... Your strength. Yes, sir. The joy of the Lord is this. It's his joy in me. Yes, it is. His joy in me. His joy becomes my strength. Yes, it does. <laughs> so there is a joy that's connected with his word. Jeremiah testified to the same. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. He said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing in my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. He says, your word that I took and partook of became unto me, in me, joy and rejoicing of my heart. John 6, 63, the Bible says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. He said, Christ is speaking here, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are Life. In other words, joy not only belongs to the spirit that you receive as a newborn babe in Christ, 
but it also matures you. Uh-huh. It also matures you. Paul was speaking to some of the New Testament church and he spoke to them. He told them to desire the sincere milk of the word of God. He said desire the sincere milk of the word of God which ye grow thereby. Spirit is not only going to give you joy but he says if you'll take the word as a newborn babe It'll help you grow. It'll help you mature. And so with that being said, not only can being lacking in the spirit cause us some lacking of joy, but I believe also joy deficiency may very well be a word deficiency. Joy deficiency could very well be a word deficiency. Again, living in a world that's unhappy and depression rampant all the time. People have separated themselves from the word of God. Yeah, even some can attend church and zone out when the word is being expounded. Sing to me, brother and sister Mason. Play the music. I'll juke and jive with you. But when we get to that word, that's just so boring, the word of God and the fine people zoning out when the word of God is being expounded. What the world needs, what the church world needs is a diet of his word. Amos said, hey, there's coming a day not too far in the distance that there'll be a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Amen. Joy lacks where his word is not understood and it cannot be understood if it's not being heard. Uh, you give me, when you put a microphone in my hand, I feel like I'm supposed to preach. The calamity of the day is this, man. I see it. I see it here, there, and no disregard to our own community, but other places. I see stuff on signs saying we're going to we're doing on Wednesday nights or this. We're doing a study on such and such book, and it's not a book of the Bible. It's some secular book. It's some Christian author book, and I guess that's all fine and well. But you can study every Christian author book you want to. I hope their basis is the Word of God. You want to study a book? Let's try Matthew. Let's try Exodus. Why don't we try Leviticus? Why don't we try Psalms? Reason why we're in the just great difficulty that we're in everybody's trying to propagate every other type of word let's propagate the word that's where the joy comes from that's where the happiness comes from that's where the contentment there needs to be a hearing of God's word you can hear every single other thing in a pulpit today except the word You can come to church and almost be like you're joining a self-help group because you went to church because that's what it is just self-help talking well you do folks Forget about going to the library. And this is one of the best self-help topics. There needs to be a hearing and an understanding. And in doing so, there will be a joy that will be provoked as a result of it. Notice Amos said, Amos said there will be a famine of the hearing of the word. Now, there's two ways that people may not hear the word. Number one, it's not being preached or taught. Or number two, it is, but it's not being listened to. And in the last days, there are going to be both of those scenarios. There'll be some venues through where it's not being preached or taught, but there'll be other venues it's being preached and taught just as much as it always was, but the people are turning a deaf ear. So let's say amen. So not only was joy 
deficiency, a word deficiency, deficiency, but it was also shouting, singing, dancing deficiency. On a secular level, through the Old Testament, you can find scriptures, and I did. I read all 160 some odd of them that had the word joy in them. I read even some of the chapters. On a secular level, singing and dancing and instruments of music, all times were associated with joy. The Bible tells us just this is one of many. But in 1 Samuel 18, whenever David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, he came home. The women came out of all the cities of Israel, and there was singing, dancing, to meet King Saul with tabrets and with joy, with instruments of music. That's just one scripture. There's several others that you see that when there is this singing, dancing, shouting, musical instruments, joy isn't accompanied with it. David then, David's at this occasion here when this happened on the secular level, them coming home from battle, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. David then, when he set an order in the church, in the tabernacle, he tells the Levites in particular, he says, boys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to appoint singers to sing and musicians to play musical instruments with joy. As the ark of the covenant, the presence of the Lord, is brought out of the house of Obed-Edom. Now, this is just me thinking out loud. I don't know what David's whole intent was, but somewhere in his past, he had experienced that the world has a certain element fabrication of their type of joy with their singing, dancing, shouting, and music playing. I don't know if this is David's thoughts, but this is kind of like what I believe David maybe was thinking. He said, we can't allow the world to outdo the church. And for them to garner joy with their music, dancing, shouting, and music without us having joy, with our shouting, dancing, and music. And so Levites, we're going to appoint some singers and we're going to appoint some musicians and we're going to do this with joy when the presence of the Lord, amen, comes, amen, because if any presence was to be a joyous presence, it should be the presence of God. As a matter of fact, in the Psalms, according to David, one of the sacrifices of joy, and that's what the Bible particularly says in Psalms 26 and 6, one of 27 and 6, one of the sacrifices of joy was singing. He says, if you want to offer a sacrifice of joy, he says, you sing. But it's even more particular than that. It's not that you just sing when you want to sing. It was you sing. He was offering this sacrifice. No word sacrifice. Sacrifice of joy. He says you sing because what was happening in Psalms 27, David's enemies were all about him. There was woe. There was all kinds of things not going his way. And it was a sacrifice of joy. He says because you're going to sing in the midst of your trouble. You're going to sing in the midst of your enemies. You're going to sing in the midst of your woe. And it's going to be a sacrifice of joy. And so then we see from there forward in other places in scripture, it was indicative time and time again that when there was dancing and when there was singing and when there was shouting and when there were things that were going on with music, God's people were exhilarated with joy. Amen. Here's what they said. They, oft times whenever they would tread out the grapes in the wine press, they're singing, there's dancing, there's shouts of joy. 
Uh-huh. Many times they're there over in the vineyard and they're doing their work in the vineyard. But being at the mill, there was singing. They were shouting. There was joy. And this is what the Bible told us in one place, but also in others. In Isaiah chapter 16 in particular, it speaks of a time. It says there's no voices coming from the wine press. There's no shouting that's taking place over in the vineyard. None of this is happening. And then it says there was no joy. Once again, putting it together that when you have shouting, you have joy. When there's dancing, there's joy. When there's music playing, there's joy. And that's the reason why, honey, this is the best medicine for you. Get into the house of God. We got music playing. There's some singing. And somebody, please go on and shout. Because that's nothing more but indicative of the joy of the spirit, the power, the presence of God. Can I tell you, a church that sees us dancing, shouting, and glorifying is having a joy problem. Having a joy problem. Yeah. They are coupled together. They're linked arm in arm. I got to move. There are places throughout the Bible where the word joy is employed. We read joy in our English Bibles, but in the Hebrew and Greek, there's about 35 different words. Welcome to really the deficiency of our English translations and honesty, folks. I think I read somewhere one time that actually in the Hebrew and Greek, there was about 12,000 different words that were used in the scriptures, but when you get to the English language, it's about half as many words used. So we got half of many as words trying to portray what was said in the original languages. So therein lies the de- even the deficiency of our English translations. And so something happens so in Scripture. Joy, you see this a lot. You can run it for yourself. There's many times that joy does not appear by itself, but it's often accompanied with gladness. Joy and gladness. Gladness and joy. Again, gladness, about nine different words are used for it in the original languages, but just one in our English. And in many cases, if you would look up the word joy or gladness in an English dictionary, you're going to see a synonym for joy is gladness, and a synonym for gladness is joy. I mean, they're interchangeable. One may be used for another, or they're very similar in meaning. But in the Hebrew language, one rabbi denoted the difference between these two words, and perhaps the reason why they're coupled together all times in Scripture of joy and gladness, he denoted a difference between these two, two very similar, but oftentimes grouped together words. If I can just pluck a scripture because there's several uh, that we can look at. In Esther chapter number eight and verse 16, the Bible says, the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province, in every city, wheresoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness. And a feast and a good day, and many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. These two words, gladness and joy. The rabbi says the word gladness here, that this gladness that comes, it's a gladness in, in English translation. Some even interpret this gladness as happiness. It says that this gladness is a gladness that comes with deliberation. In other words, after much thought, over time, they ponder and think concerning the matter, and they become glad. He said, but the word joy in this 
It requires no preparation. It comes upon a person as an experience. It's an outpouring of all in a moment. There's no deliberation. There's no thinking about it. It just overtakes you and arrests your attention, the joy. He said this gladness in the scripture, he said its root word is linked with the word that means flower. He said a flower blossoms beautifully. He said there's large petals that grow on the flower that may come each spring. A flower is the very peak of a vegetative splendor of a plant, but it's short-lived. And the petals will soon wither and become nothing more but a distant memory. He says, so that relates to a flower, the gladness does, the root that it comes from. He says, joy, though, the root that it is came from and it's related to means budding. And he said, the bud may sprout before or after the blossom, but it'll always last longer. And eventually the bud will become the fruit. He says, so gladness, it's short-lived. It's momentarily. It will come. It's after much deliberation, thought, process, and then it will soon wither. He says, but joy, it's as the bud that comes just at any point in time and eventually will turn into the fruit. He said, gladness, he said in the scripture, is me-oriented. A feeling of me-contentment. He says, joy, though, is others-oriented. It's a feeling that says to the person that life has meaning. And see, whenever this feast of Purim in Esther, whenever they became victorious over uh, those that were trying to take the Jews by death, they were to celebrate not just with a self-celebration among their peers, but the Bible says they were also to send portions uh, to others in the giving of gifts to the poor. In other words, it was a joy, amen, and a gladness because it was a gladness that just didn't orientate around them, but it was a joy that extended to others. And listen to me now, and I'll slow down here, but I, I, I'm in a time constraint here. It's a real fix. Joy, in order for joy to be full or joy to be fulfilled, it must involve others. That's right. And the reason being is because joy in the fruit of the Spirit must be and gets connected to the love of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says, Psalms chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and I'll read through here and we'll go along. The Bible says, if there be, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, the apostle Paul says, that ye be like-minded, right. having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, Paul is saying, Paul said, my joy will be fulfilled if the love that you received of Christ and the spirit you received of Christ, you'll show and display to another. In other words, Paul's saying, my joy has resulted from your other orientated acts of love and kindness and the spirit of God working in you and through you. He says, if you've had fellowship with that spirit, he said enough that it would cause you to esteem other people above yourself and you would look out for others. Whenever that happens, he said, my joy, I already got it, but it becomes full. 
it becomes full. Because when the same love and the same spirit of Christ is expressed through his people, joy becomes full. He says this in a similar manner in John 15 and verse 9. The Bible says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. No, he said in verse 9, Christ is saying in verse 9 to his disciples, continue in my love. Now, there is a cycle here that's set up right here in the scripture. There's a cycle here. When we abide in Christ, we are more apt to keep or obey his commandments. And when we keep his commandments, it helps us to continue to abide in his love. You see the vicious cycle? I abide in his love, therefore I keep his commandments. As a result of keeping commandments, it helps me abide in his love. I abide in his love, it helps me keep his commandments. When I keep his commandments, it helps me abide. You see what I'm talking about? There's this vicious cycle then that is set up for abiding in Christ. Now he tells us in verse number 11, he tells us these things. He tells us these things. He says, I've spoken these unto you. Why? So that his joy might remain. Look. I'm telling you these things so my joy might remain. So it's already there. But he says, so that it will continue to be there in you. (laughs) And whenever we adopt his joy as our own, our joy is full when his joy remains in us and we continue to abide in him and in his love and obey his commandments. And he says in verse 12, remember this obeying commandment thing's all part of it. He says, now here is my commandment. Here it is, joy. It's not a me orientation. It's an other orientation. That ye love one another as I have loved you. It's the others oriented. So if you keep this commandment, then joy is going to remain and it's going to be in you and it's going to be, there's the secret word, full. It will be full. There is a joy that results from another's love. Amen. Philemon 1 and 7, not a well-known book, but he says, the apostle Paul says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Philemon's love. There was a joy that resulted from some other, some other individual's love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Paul and those that were with him testified of joy because somebody was loving someone else. What their joy was invibrated, was invigorated, it was made full because of the love of another that someone had. And so here's, here's I'm trying to come to the runway. Since God is a spirit, right? John 4, 24. Since God is a spirit, and the spirit, according to Hebrews 9, 14, is an eternal spirit. If we abide in that spirit, and that spirit abides in us, we have the possibility of an everlasting joy. It's an eternal spirit. An eternal spirit, you know, just as he said, 
That which is of the flesh produces the flesh. That which is of the spirit produces the spirit. Uh, eternal spirit would be expected then to produce some eternal fruit. And so if that eternal spirit dwells inside of me, I have the ability of having some everlasting joy. In another place of the scripture, it's labeled as a joy for many generations. You know what's so funny about when you think and consider the idea of everlasting joy? It kind of really puts to contrast and light what they call today in different establishments, happy hours. In Christ, we do not propagate and we do not put up advertisement for happy hours. We put up advertisement for everlasting, eternal. It's not like from the hours of three and five, you can get your fix and you and feel abundance and joyful and glad. No, no, no. You can come to know Christ and have his spirit in you and you don't have to wait for a segment of time. You can live, walk, and dwell. Everlasting joy. Man, there's probably somebody out there tonight just waiting for a happy hour to get everything half off so they can somehow drown up all of their woes. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be 10 this morning or at 6 at night. You can call upon the Lord. That eternal spirit can invest itself in you and you can find everlasting joy. We're turning from happy hours to a happy life. Because in contrast, the malady that Job said, Job 25, whenever he spoke of the wicked and he spoke of the hypocrite, he spoke concerning their joy. And this is what he said concerning it. He said, it is for a moment. He said, it was short. In that one verse, he said, that the joy of the wicked, and the joy of the hypocrite, it's short. It's but for a moment. You can stand with me. I'll come to a close. Paul told the elders at Ephesus when he was on his venture to get ready to depart from them and go to Jerusalem, probably be the last time that they would see him face to face. They'd probably not see his face anymore. He knew what was forecasted and prophesied before him, how being bound in chains and stuff was probably going to overtake him on this journey and as he was speaking to them for maybe the last time he spoke to them he said boys here's my plan here's my intentions he said I plan on and I like this he said here's here's my purpose I plan on finishing my course he said with joy and maybe that was just one way that he was conveying to them that he planned on finishing his course with the spirit that he had received Nevertheless, learning to live with the joy of the Lord today in this life. You know what that's preparing you for? To enter the joy of the Lord in the next life. If you'll remember the parable of, the, of those who had talents and it was distributed and then the master came back to see what they had done with the talents, those first two who had done well you remember how the parable goes? He tells them that they've done very well and, and he called them a good and a faithful servant. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many. And here is the phrase he always summed it up with. Enter thou into the joy 
of the Lord. So the joy of the Lord that we maintain, allow to mature from the spirit that's inside of our lives today is nothing more but a preparation for the joy that we'll enter into then. Only comes by his spirit, through understanding of his word. It's oft times accompanied with music, singing, dancing, and shouting. It becomes full when it goes beyond ourselves and becomes others oriented and that spirit works and moves through us. Perhaps one of the greater traits I think than anything is that it is everlasting joy. And the Bible says in the New Testament scripture Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, and no man can take it joy. No man can take it away. So if we are without it we can't pin the donkey on anybody else no no man can take it away what we do is we live a life in such a way that we surrender it we let go of it where we like allow God's spirit to dissipate from our lives and God's spirit is that very source of it no man can take your joy no woman can take your joy but you by your own volition may forfeit it's an everlasting joy it's an everlasting joy if we can bow our heads in this place this morning if there's somebody sitting under the sound of my voice thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day